Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Welcome, faithful scholars, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team-taught class led by two internationally renowned footballologists, nay, Cowboysologists. <laughs> I am Dr. Rebel Rouser, and I am joined, as always, by the preeminent scholar, Dr. Danny Phantom. We are coming to you live from a train that is hurtling across the country on its way to Oxnard, California, where we will be in the very beginning of August for Cowboys training camp. I can't wait, sir. How are you today? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm really excited. It's uh, you know, the the only thing about it is just I feel like it's just coming up so fast. You know, I got the rooms, everything's all booked. I'm ready to go. Um, but I just have so much that I have to get done, in b- between now and then. So, you know, I'm just scrambling. I feel like I've just been scrambling this entire week, and uh, like even when I'm just trying to move along with my day, there's always just things that like come along and just slow me down people stopping and talking to you just you know we had a meeting today where it's like you know what we actually got through our agenda items pretty quickly and we were going to be released early but then we just had this one person that just had all these questions and had all everything they wanted to talk about and then suddenly it's like not are you not getting out early but it's like we're running late and uh, you know i was just like oh you gotta be kidding me but but i actually started sneezing you know because sometimes i just have you know i'll just sneeze but you know i have these little sneeze fits you know i don't know if that's i'm sure that's normal i'm a normal person um but so i had a sneeze fit in the meeting and uh and i had to excuse myself and then i like went in you know i went in the bathroom and everything i'm fine but then i was like you know what i'm i'm done i'm i'm, I'm out of here i was like that's it you know but uh you know and i know i know i know people in the meeting probably think you know what? i think rogers i think he's just like try to get out of that meeting you know he just faked that whole charade thing and, like something i you'd see out of Seinfeld or something, but not true. I was going to say it's a George Costanza <laughs> move, my friend. It, it is a Costanza <laughs> move, but not, uh, it was actual legit sneeze fit. I mean, that was fantastic acting if I was able to pull that off, but no, that was legit, but oh my goodness. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad it was, it was the perfect time to have a sneeze fit. So uh, yeah, so got out of the meeting. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but you know, I'm sure people thought that I was just, you know, faking it, you know, to get out of something. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I want to ask you, Raps, have you ever done anything elaborate or pulled off any type of, you know, phony baloney thing to to get yourself out of a situation? Oh man, this is this is terrible. Yes, I have, and I'm not proud of this one at all. Um, and but I I I can't say that I pulled it off. So this, I, I think I got popped at the end. So here, basically this is what happened. There was a girl I uh, was actually really into, you know, way, way back when, like when I was in my late teens, early twenties, um, I knew her and um, you know, we were friends and we were, we kind of like dated, but nothing really ever came of it. Um, 
and uh, she had a couple friends that lived next to her that were good friends. And apparently one or both of them were interested in me. So one of her friends, I think, called me. I don't remember exactly how this happened, but she basically called me and asked if I wanted to go out dancing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I really don't want to, I don't really feel like going out dancing. And I didn't necessarily, like, wasn't super, super enthusiastic about going out dancing with her. So, like, I went out. I was like, oh, let's see if I can, you know, I need, I probably need a new shirt or something. You know, I was like, and I was like at the mall and I was like, I don't want to spend this money on a shirt. I don't even really want to go dancing. You know, so basically I I called, maybe I didn't even call. I don't remember. I don't remember. But basically what ended up happening is I finally called this girl and said, I'm, I am so sorry. I was on my way over to your place or whatever to meet you or whatever, wherever we were supposed to meet up. And um, I was driving my moped. I had a moped. I must have been before I was before I had a driver's license. I was driving my moped and I got in an accident. And they were like, oh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, are you all right? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, someone took me to like, you know, I concocted this whole story. Yeah, someone took me to the emergency room, but I'm fine. And all this, right? Oh, talk about and Costanza. <laughs> I Costanza this thing. I ran with it. I mean, I was, I was so, I, I was, I was, oh. you know, fully into the story. So. She's like, oh my gosh, I hope you're okay. So she bought it. She bought it totally. The problem was that the the girl who was my friend, who was her friend, and that girl's mom who knew me because I went over there and hung out sometimes, were both so worried about me. Oh. They decided <laughs> to show up at my house unannounced. Oh my goodness! And I'm and I'm like answering the door. I'm like, oh how? And they're like, are you okay? You know, and I was there with like with a buddy of mine. We were just like hanging out, playing like you know, you know. A Nintendo football or something, you know, we were just doing something, screwing around, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, fun," you know, and and um, and my buddy didn't know about the story, so it was, it was like super confusing, and 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 I was like, "No, you guys, I'm fine." See, and you know, I tweaked my knee, but I'm fine, and I could tell they were like, "You are a total gold bricker. You you did not you did not get hurt," I, and I, I think like their estimation of me just like went from you know, medium to just as low as could be in that moment. So I don't think I pulled it off. I'm sure that they went back and told the girl that I was a faker and, um, and uh, that I was, you know, just a, a, a cheap, cheap skate and a coward, which I was, I was, I totally own it. Man, so that was, the, that was the young rabs who, you know, the, the, the mature rabs would never do such a thing. But the, the young rabs was a, a wild man of, of a great cowardice if only they would have given you a little notice you could have like wrapped up your head in a bandage you know and just, uh, yeah say it said just, hey we're coming over i would have gotten a bunch of ace bandages <laughs> you know uh, yeah i would i would have like i could have taken a hammer to my shin or something <laughs> oh my now, goodness that's came out it came over unannounced <laughs> <laughs> and I was caught with my pants down. Well, I am so. glad you were okay, Raps. And uh I was I was. And speaking of okay, we've got an okay show for you today because we're talking about a, a position, the Cowboys linebackers, that is okay. I think, you know, the Cowboys defense, I you know, I believe that my uh, colleague and I here share the same opinion, which is that they're a strong unit, but the strength of the unit lies largely in the defensive line and in the defensive backfield. I think the the group of guys in between them in that linebacker room are both um, an uncertainty, but also probably, even if they play at the top of their game, probably the weakest, they're still going to be the weakest of the three units. So, um, I mean, I am interested in, in breaking that down because there's a lot to talk about. There's a, there's a bunch of question marks, I think, that, that you know require some unpacking. But before we get to that, I would like to ask you, sir, 
with the beginning of the season coming ever closer, as you said, things are coming are going so fast. Listen, the season opener is going to be here before we know it because we're going to be involved in daily t- training camp oh, yeah. news. And you know how that accelerates mm-hmm. our lives and our timeline. So uh, the you know, Cowboys have an appointment with Destiny the week after Labor Day. And the summer always gets me thinking about, you know, my favorite season openers, especially since they tend, the NFL tends to, you know, have them play against the Giants almost every year. So, you know, the anticipation, that excitement gets me thinking about season openers past. And so um, as I think about that, I think about, wow, man, there have been some really, really fun games to kick off the season. So I'd love to hear you say, like, you know, is there a game or games that really jump out to you as like all-time great first games of the season for the Cowboys? Yeah. There, there are. I mean, there, there are ones that jump out to me. I don't know. I can't recall necessarily how the season progressed, or even um, the game itself, maybe. But just I remember there, there, there are some moments. Like I know that the 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 Romo to Witten with the the Giants opener that one year, uh, that that one stood out to me because I just think Eli Manning messed it all up at the end, and that just mm-hmm. brings me great satisfaction. So that one. That was definitely it sticks in my memory, but I keep. I think to me, the one that's the most um, exciting is that, and I don't even know which the what year. I think oh no, it's ninety nine. Uh, the Cowboys in Washington. It was mm-hmm. a season opener. It was the Rocket Ismail. Ismail. Uh, yeah, I was at that game. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think it was in particular because it was a game of swings. Cowboys started off really well. Got up, got up to a good lead, and then Washington start came back and looked like they were running away with it. And you know they end up having like a, you know, twenty one point lead I think at one point in in, mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, and uh, and then the the Cowboys just kept they kept fighting back and they scored like a couple touchdowns in the last five minutes to to take it even to overtime. And of course the the Rocket, um, you know, big deep uh, touchdown pass uh, to to finish it off. So I think to me that's that's got to be it for me. That's got to be the best opener. Now I'm trying to remember what actually happened in 99. I can't quite like, but that, that might've been when we peaked, it might've been the highlight of the season. I don't know, but uh, I do remember how, that was a great way to kick things off. So that that's my most exciting season opener. What about you Rabs? I, I The two you've picked are, are on my short list. I think those are both great ones. I think that it's interesting because in 1999, that was an exciting game. We were excited about the team. That was Chan Gailey's second year. His first year, he led them to division championship, and then they 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 played well, but then Dion got hurt, and, and they um, they got beat by the, the lowly, lowly Cardinals, embarrassed at home by the lowly Cardinals in the playoffs. And then in 99, they ended up 8-8, eight and eight, still squeaked into the playoffs, but it got stomped on by the Vikings in the first round. So... That was that was not a good team. 2015, of course, they were coming off that incredible 2014 season. Um, they ended up winning the first two games. The first one, of course, was the one you talked about with uh, the Eli Manning. I mean, series of of you know pretty catastrophic mistakes by by Eli Manning, um, in which you know he was uh, fully his true self in those moments. Yep. That's why and we then, loved him. Um, and then and then you know remember they they isolated Lance Dunbar on there on they had, on the Giants very oh, slow yeah. middle linebacker. Right. A couple, the first two plays of that final drive, mm-hmm. and he Lance Dunbar picked up like fifteen and seventeen to get them over midfield yeah. in a, you know in a decent amount of time. So that was a that was a great comeback. Um, but the ones that there was a couple, there's one other that was not really even a close game. In fact, it wasn't nearly as close as the score indicated. But it it was such a great game because it it 
there was one where the Cowboys announced to the rest of the league, we have arrived. And that was in 1992, the defending champion Redskins at the time, the uh, hated Washington team, um, the defending champion Washington team, uh, you know, came to Dallas. They were not prepared. And the Cowboys were, and it was 23 to 10, I believe was the final score, but it, it, it's, I mean, what even Washington fans know that it wasn't that close. It was, it was easily could have been like 40 to seven and, and the Cowboys or rather the, the Washington touchdown was, you know, after like um, a, an interception that wasn't to hit the ground that would, that would have got called back if there was instant replay, et cetera. So um, it was, a, it was an absolute humiliation and a route and, and it was glorious in, in every, every conceivable way. The other one that really sticks out, and I think this one's actually my favorite uh, 1983 where um, the opposite of 1999 happened in a way that, in that the Cowboys never got off to a big lead against their hated division rival. Instead, the uh, Washington team, got off to a 23 to three uh, halftime lead and just dominated the first half. And then Danny white and Tony Hill mm. over the course of a second half hit two long passes and the Cowboys defense, uh, you know, made a couple of plays and the Cowboys came roaring back and actually ended up winning 31 to 30, but they, they actually were so dominant for a while there. They actually were leading 20, 31 to 23 before Joe Theismann engineered a meaningless late touchdown. Um, but it was just glorious because, you know, the, the Washington team had beaten them in the playoffs the year before and knocked them out in the NFC championship game. And then uh, of course, you know, that was, that was way back when they, I think they were still in RFK and that place used to rock with cowboy hatred and the Cowboys just went in and, and muscled up and, and, um, you know, came back against, uh, the Washington team and their fans who were, I think were just absolutely in shock. It was fantastic. So I think that was probably at, at the top of my list. But I, all the all of those are all of those were were good ones that you know always worth a rewatch. Yeah. Um, and you know maybe even a re-listen. But uh, I'm I'm not sure that this episode of our podcast is going to be worth a re-listen. It's definitely worth a listen. I'm not sure people are going to be re-listening to it, but maybe so. Let's let's give them a scintillating discussion of the Cowboys linebacker room and see if we can merit a re-listen, shall we? Yes, let's do it. Okay, from one professor to another, before we get into our discussion of the 2023 Cowboys linebackers, I would like to do a little historical review, if you'd be okay with that. Oh, of course I would. So I spent some time earlier this week taking a look at the Cowboys linebackers over uh, the course of their history, and particularly focusing on the post-Landry era, which, you know, I mean, increasingly is a bigger chunk of Cowboys history than it used to be when we were kiddos. Um, and I want to make one kind of one thing clear at the beginning, which is that I'm really talking about off-ball linebackers. I am not talking about right. um, outside line. I'm talk- we can we can consider inside linebackers in the Wade Phillips and um, uh, Bill Parcells three-four era, but for the most part, we are talking about off-ball linebackers. Hence, not Greg Ellis for the most part mm-hmm. of his career, not Anthony Spencer, not Demarcus Ware. Right. All right, so here we go. Um, who do you think? Again, I'm going to our my my trusty uh, metric, which I, I don't really know how trusty it is, but I think it's convenient just to look at different Cowboys eras. Um, so the top three, excuse me, top five linebackers in terms of approximate value in the post Landry era. Who do you think they are? The top five linebackers. Yeah, top five. So throw some names out, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll um, you know, if, if they're one of the top five, I'll identify them as such and give you a number. Okay. So I don't, I don't have to be in order, right? 
can just no, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. And there are a couple guys who were either drafted during Landry and put a toe in the Jimmy Johnson pool, or vice versa. We can count those guys or not, but um, okay, most of them are most of them are pretty clearly post. Okay, Landry. they definitely got to be playing in the post Landry era. Absolutely, gotcha. Right. Yes. Okay, I think that I think I know who you would be talking about now. Okay, so I, I'm going to throw my list. I'm going to I'm going to think Sean Lee is is one of them. I think you'd you'd have to say Sean Lee's one of them. He's actually number two. Good, and I think the guy that might be number one might be Ken Norton Jr. He actually is number four or five. It depends on whether you include Eugene, Eugene Lockhart. I think he's a Landry era guy. He played for a couple of years in the Jimmy Johnson era, but I don't. I think he was done. So you're so, are you I, counting just Cowboy seasons? Aren't you? Just Cowboys. Yes. yes. So that's okay. The problem Cowboy, but Ken Norton actually has the most tackles of any linebacker in Cowboys history. But uh, so he was a tackle machine when he was here. But in terms of AV, I think that that team was so good that, you know, he might not have piled up as quite as much as, as other guys didn't have a lot of sacks. So he's actually um, number four. Okay. So got two there. So you got number two at Sean Lee. You got number four, Ken Martin Jr. Both great, great picks. Now's where it gets fun. Who what, else what about Dexter Coakley? Number one, my friend. Ooh. Number one. Yeah. You know, I, I think the more I look I do these kind of like little historical deeper dives, the more Dexter Coakley's name comes up on the positive side of the ledger. That mm-hmm. little dude, he was like four foot seven, but he could play, man. He could play. He was he was awesome. Uh if he had been if he had been six three and two forty, he would have been a Hall of Famer. I mean, he he was just so so instinctive and so fast. I love I, I I think I, I wanted go on a Dexter Coakley viewing party sometime in the next couple of weeks. Cause he was awesome. So you got uh, three of the five. You want to make any more guesses? Uh, well, I don't know if he's going to make the list, but he's certainly one of my favorites. Um, and that is Darren Smith. Ah, pre uh, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's a great, great, great choice. I think Darren Smith is a really interesting dude. Remember, he didn't play for the Cowboys for very long. Went to New Orleans, came back briefly. I, I think he just hasn't logged enough Cowboys time to qualify, so he is not actually one. Of what those. about Robert Jones? No, no. So neither of those '90s guys there with the. Uh, no, he got replaced by Ken Norton Jr. And he just never really, he never really found. He, he never lived up to his draft status. Let's put it that way. So my last guess. This is getting harder for me. So my last guess. Is going to be a teammate of Mr. Coakley. With I'm going to go with that win. Yes, the football playing dude. That win number five, and number three. I, I, is, I, I, give me a hint. How about the the last one? There's I'm, I'm left off. Can you give me like an era or like a where? Yes, he was a he was a Parcells era dude that, that played into the uh, Wade Phillips era. Uh, Brady James. Yes. Oh, okay. Brady James. He's actually number three. So, I mean, Brady James started off a little rocky in 2004, but uh, was a really solid inside linebacker in a system that was designed to basically drive ball carriers to the inside linebackers. Made a lot of tackles. Was a high-character dude. You know, really, really thoughtful. Really thoughtful player in interviews and stuff. So, uh, guy I remember pretty fondly. So, there you go. Good job. We have Coakley, Sean Lee, Brady James, Ken Norton Jr., and that win. So let me ask you, ask you this then. 
What do you think the best linebacker group has been since the Landry era? And the reason I'm saying since the Landry era is, 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 is there's several, like the top five guys in AV over Cowboys history are all Landry era guys. There was one era, like the early, like this late 60s, early 70s when you had, or mid 70s, uh, you had Chuck Howley, Leroy Jordan, Dave Edwards, all were really productive in an era in which linebackers were a much more significant part of the defense. D.D. Lewis, Bob Brunig, those, guys, those are the guys that we grew up watching when we first started becoming Cowboy fans. So there was a lot of, lot of guys from that era who made a lot of plays. But since then, we haven't seen the same sort of stalwart group that we saw when Howley, Leroy Jordan, and Dave Edwards were all playing together at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what's the best group we have seen? Well, it's interesting because... Um, for me, obviously, three of the guys played together on the list here, and and I have those three as my number two grouping. Um, but that would, I mean, arguably they're they're at the top because they're they're all three really good players. But my my favorite, the guys that I'm going with, it still bring goes back to the the early '90s with with Ken Norton and the Robert Jones and Darren Smith and Dixon Edwards. Um, you know, I think Vincent Smith came along a little later, but I, I just think there was a time there where that good stretch where those, the Cowboys just had outstanding linebackers, off ball linebackers. And, um, there's so much depth too. It wasn't just, they had one or two guys. They were, they were really deep. So to me, it's the 93 team that stands out the most. Um, that is exactly what I wrote as well. I wrote 1993, and I even wrote down the guys who were on that team. And you listed you listed four of them. Uh, the other guys who were, I think, you know, key contributors mostly on special teams were Godfrey Miles. Mm. Um, it was a third rounder out of Florida in, I think, 1990. And then um, a guy they picked up, a sort of free agent guy they picked up who was a special teams ace, Matt Vanderbeek. And oh, wow. Godfrey Miles and Matt Vanderbeek, this takes us back to our conversation from last week. Maybe the two first Cowboy linebackers ever to wear a number in the 90s. So Godfrey Miles was 98 and Matt Vanderbeek was 91 back in 1993. Hmm. But, but I think the other thing that's interesting about this is the, is the investment they had. So Robert Jones, first-round pick. Ken Morton Jr., second-round pick. Dixon Edwards, Edwards second-round pick. Darren Smith, second-round pick. They invested a, a lot of high draft picks in, in yeah. these cats. And, you know, Jimmy Johnson and, the, and then, of course, the team immediately after that. We're really going for undersized guys who, in some ways, were glorified safeties who could run and hit. And boy, could they run and hit! Mm-hmm. My goodness, that was the yeah. I think nineteen ninety three is absolutely the right answer. The other one that that I think is is a really interesting group. There was a time there. Dexter Coakley and and Dat Win overlapped for a little while. Right, in, in the early two thousands, that was a kind of interesting group. But they really didn't have a third dude playing with them. There was actually a period of time also similarly that I think it's a really underrated era in which Cowboys were obviously a declining team, but they still had a couple linebackers that Randall Godfrey and Dexter Coakley. And I thought they, I thought Randall Godfrey was a really great pick. I think a second round also a second rounder also out of Georgia and he and Dexter Coakley, um, you know, continued to be that kind of undersized run and hit linebacker. They just never, they never really had a third at any point in that era. Yeah. So I, I think so. There's some there's some you know interesting interesting groups. I I, I would agree that '93 is the year because that's the year that Darren Smith joined that group as a rookie. 
you mentioned Vincent Smith. He had been with the team during Plan B free agency. I think in some ways Darren Smith took his spot and was a significant upgrade. Did Vincent Smith, nice, nice player. You know, good, good Plan B free agent pickup. But I mean, Darren Smith was a deluxe athlete at the position. And I think actually they they benched Robert Jones and moved Ken Norton into the middle in 1993. And part of that was Jones's play, but part of that was that Darren Smith was just coming on. They had yeah. to get him in the lineup. He was so good. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. So one more question then, given all this and given, I mean, the paucity of, of great linebacker units in the 20, well, excuse me, the 30 years since then, has linebacker been the organization's weakest position in the last 30 years? Um, I don't think so, Rabs. I, I mean, if you, you know, you just keep on, you know, checking at certain points you can you can see that i mean some of the the groups that we didn't talk about are, are kind of underrated too i mean we're, i remember we had when vanderash and and jalen's one good season and then sean yeah. lee was like a linebacker number three and and he was still a good player and so you, you had groupings like that you know of course hitchens before that was there and they there's been some and then a couple of years i think you had romack and, and lee together once so there's there's different years that have come along were that they've been pretty solid. And like you mentioned, like the, in the Parcells times with those three guys that are on the top five, I mean, I think it's hard to say that it's their weakest. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I would figure that there's, there's a couple, maybe a couple other positions, um, at least one in particular that kind of stands out as being weaker and, and that's equally important. And it's in like stopping the run. But um, just different. So I, I'm not. I would say no. I, I don't think so. Fair, fair enough. I I don't know that I can make an argument that it that it definitively is. But I think I think it's one of the positions that you have to consider as the as the weakest in the last thirty years. 
it feels like almost all of the positions are the weakest are the ones that are up the defensive middle, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, but we, but we, we may end up resuming this conversation next week when we talk about defensive backs and safeties in particular. So let's take a look at let's take a look at the unit they have now. I, I really wanted to have that conversation largely because, again, you know, we feel this way a lot and a lot of times it doesn't pan out. But in looking at this this uh, linebacker room. I think an argument can be made that it has a better chance to have the kind of depth that the 1993 team talked about. Not that they'll be as good as that team. I'm not trying to say that at all, but that team was deep. That team had a deep room. I think this team could, again, this is a big question mark. And I think it's, you know, I think there's a lot to talk about here, but I think there's a potential for the kind of young talent speed and depth that we haven't seen maybe since 1993. And so that's kind of what that's kind of why I wanted to ask those questions, just as a way to as a way to kind of get into this, because um, there's probably a high variance unit, but at the top end, I think we could, you know, I think that, you know it, it's not out of the realm of possibility to talk about them that way. But let's before we get into that, let's identify who exactly we're talking about. We're not talking about Micah Parsons. We talked about him last week as a defensive lineman. I think he's a defensive end who, who might line up at linebacker sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if he does, even he, when he does, it's a, largely as a sort of elephant or, or pass rushing, you know, outside linebacker, just a way for him to get different rush angles. Um, so the guys we're really talking about are Leighton Vanderesh, the salty vet, and then a bunch of young, a bunch of young cats. So his running mate last year was the, um, I would say he, he was even a revelation. Uh, which is Damone Clark. He had a really surprising year. I don't think any of us thought he would play at all. I thought it was a redshirt year, and he came on and played and played well and demonstrated mm-hmm. a really n- interesting combination of size and athleticism. Um, some other guys, that, they've invested some decent draft capital in the last couple of years. We've got Jabril Cox, the great question mark. We've got, uh, of course, this year's draft pick, DeMarvion Overshone. Um, a guy in Isaiah Land, they, put a, they threw some money at as an undrafted free agent that I, I hear they really, really like. And then, of course, Devin Harper was a seventh-round draft pick a year ago. Malik Jefferson, uh, I think a local UT kid who who's um, got you know so, who like you know local folks are intrigued by. So there's some there's some guys who can play mm-hmm. or have some tools. Uh, it's an, it's a potentially an interesting group. So let, let's let's kind of break this down. Let's look at this in the way that we've been thinking about some of these other positions. So the first question I have for you is, of of all those cats, who is the likeliest breakout player? Well, I think that it's very – first off, I, I totally agree with you as far as this being a high-variance position group. In fact, I, I wrote about that last week and uh, talked about it when I was describing a next man up for each position group. And, and definitely, it could, it, could go, it could be really good or it can be not so good. Um, but I think if you're looking at the, at the good side, then that would happen if we saw Damone Clark – continue to build on a really strong rookie season you know we're gonna mm-hmm. he'll, he'll be ready from the get-go and um i i think clark is kind of like the player that we thought jabril cox was going to be and I, I was excited about jabril cox last year coming into year two thinking that things may slow down for him you know but uh that just i don't know i don't know what happened and so definitely my my expectations for jabril is has diminished quite a bit but uh, at the same time, Damone, I mean, the, he's he's a rising star type of player. I mean, he was one of, when you just look at the tape, he was one of the top linebackers from his draft class. And uh, for the Cowboys to get him when they did, it's, it's huge value. 
and uh, for him to be healthy and ready to go and, and playing like he was demonstrated last year. Super excited about him. And um, so, I yeah, I think Damone Clark's the easy answer there. Um, I've talked already about my apprehensions with um, DeMar, DeMar Overshone. I think that mm-hmm. he, he's overdrafted, in my opinion. Um, but that's, you know, I don't know. Cowboys, they really like him. And certainly he's got the athleticism. So, but I... This fan right here is a little bit, temp- he's tempering his expectations with Overshawn. He certainly could be the breakout guy and, and just be phenomenal. Um, but to me, I, I'm putting my money on, on Damone Clark. I think that I think that I would have to agree. I mean, I think a breakout guy, you know, to be an ideal candidate, you have to have at least shown something. You know, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to nominate a breakout rookie because they've, you know, the breakout is really from like playing well to playing excellently. You know, I, I think I, I, the one thing I think that we probably should be concerned about with, with Clark is that uh, when Van Der Esch was not in the lineup, he seemed a little lost and it, it seems like his play really declined. He may have been trying to do too much. He might've just not, you know, he might not have had his guy there to sort of help direct him or, or get him, you know, get him get his head right in the huddle or, or something. But, uh, you know, it's been pointed out and I think it's, the statistics do bear this out that he, he fell off when, when Van Andreas went out. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that this is the year where he doesn't need that support, on, you know, on a regular basis and kind of, you know, he feels good enough, com- feels comfortable enough in his position that he can just dominate and use his athleticism and, and not have to think too much and just be a terror. Um, you know, with Mozzie Smith and the and the stronger defensive tackle room, I'm I'm really excited about what this group could do. So from the, um, obviously you said this is a high variance group um, and I 100% agree. And so, you know, we can talk about the good side, but we also then have to talk about the bad side. Who's the guy who's most likely to be a disappointment this year? Well, I think there are a a few answers here. Um, But I think the biggest disappointment for me would be if, I think we've been very fortunate with the health of Van Der Esch in the last couple of years. So, I mean, I mean, can't, we, it's not that far back, and we're thinking, like, this guy, he just can't do it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the NFL is just too hard on him, and he just uh, he's really struggling to stay on the field. But then, you know, two years later, we're looking at a guy who's who, who's on the field. You know, he you know he, he missed, what, a, little, a game last year or something? But it wasn't – so I think – for me, the biggest disappointment of what could really hurt the Cowboys is if, if what you're saying is true, Rabs. If, if, if let's just say that he he has a, a year where he's not so lucky, and then here we go, we got to rely on players like Damone Clark, who's not quite ready, and then raw players like Demarion Overshawn, and and then I don't even know who would be next after that. With uh, there's so many young guys out there that's just you know could not be, maybe they're not ready uh, mentally to to even be out there, and. It, it could force the Cowboys to have to go out and get a veteran, to be honest, to do, to give them some, you know, to kind of help bridge that a little bit. So, I, to me, that's a that's a scary situation. You know, we were talking about range of outcomes. This is this is what could push us on the on the bad side in with mm-hmm. with uh, Van Der Esch. So, I think Van Der Esch is a good player. I think he's he's found something. You know, he he's not that same player, and because he he looked like a, a star. You know, when he get right out of the gate, but he's he's not that player anymore. But he's he's found something, and he's playing at a at a really good level. And I think the Cowboys bringing him back was fantastic. But not having that, then it suddenly brings questions, and it could, you know, and it could trickle down in a, in a bad way. 
I, I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, again, for someone to be a disappointment, they've had to have already have established themselves. I think the only guy who's really played long enough and well enough to, to prove to be disappointing, certainly in a way where it would make a meaningful difference to the unit and to the, to the season and team is Van Der Esch because he has been, you know, as you said, not only a stalwart, the, the sort of consistent guy in the middle, but he's been healthy the last couple of years. And, and he's, and he's, he's, I mean, I don't think he's ever returned to the level of play he showed us in 2018, but his last two years have been the closest. And that's been really great to see. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was that they may have to sign a veteran. But uh, in the last couple of years, they've they've actually turned to the free agent market and signed a veteran linebacker to kind of you know mix in with with a lot of the young guys or, and guys who maybe still need some developmental time. Obviously, the, the guy who did that last year was Anthony Barr. He came in, took a lot of snaps, took a lot of snaps. And, um, you know, made some plays, but also, you know, looked to have lots of step and had to rely on, you know, what, what savvy has left, et cetera. He's not rejoining the team, at least not right now. But do you, th- do you think that they're going to go ahead and stay true to form and, and, you know, maybe now or sometime during training camp, see what they have. And then if they don't have what they, what they, uh, what they're hoping out of guys bring in an Anthony Barr type again this year. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, it's, I learned my lesson last year and you were basically right spot on too with when i'm crying about where is our swing tackle where's our veteran swing tackle come on do you not see what's going on here so absolutely i think um the cowboys were gonna they're gonna see what they got you know there's a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of choices you know you mentioned isaiah land and and also devin harper's another guy too they're really they really like too they drafted him he he was drafted um in the, the year before last in so uh so they have options and i think they want to see what they what they have with these guys who can show show out is is Jabril gonna is he gonna turn into something or you know is he just gonna continue to kind of just be underwhelming we don't know but and then you know once they get a sense of that and of course injuries could always you know um, speed sure. speed things up for sure but I don't expect to see a veteran in there anytime soon maybe you know maybe later down the road that they'll evaluate things and they'll realize we don't like what we got you know so we're gonna need to add something and um, but. I don't think so right away. And, and honestly, even the Anthony Barr thing was kind of a later on sort of thing, right? I don't... It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And part of that's because, of course, those veterans don't want to be in training camp. Mm-hmm. And so they're happy to wait themselves or right. they're at home working out. But the other is, uh, I think, teams like the Cowboys who have a bunch of young linebackers want to get them snaps and want to get them coaching. And, you, you know, you don't need an old head like Anthony Barr taking away snaps and reps from, from the young kids. Um, so let me ask you this. What would you say the if you had to put a percentage on it, what's the percentage chance that they have to at some point, let's say after two weeks of training, after they're done with Oxnard, they get back to the star from that point on, what would you put the percentage chances on them announcing that they've signed a veteran linebacker? Um, Low. I'm going to go low. I'm going to say 15. Let's go there. And here's the reason why. First off, I mean, starting at the top with LVE, Damon Clark. I'm very happy with those two. I'm very happy with those two. That's a good start. Not only is it a good start, but you also have some flexibility with some of the other players that on your on your team coming from both sides. You know, you got you got Micah, who you know they're gonna we'll see him off ball sometimes, and uh, they'll use him in that way. And of course, you have J. Ron Curse and uh, and and even Dono is you know he likes to play down at the line of scrimmage. So the Cowboys they have some depth even outside of their linebacker group. So urgency no i just don't i mean 
I think that the chances are are low that it doesn't happen. And it's certainly not not in any time uh, close to the start of camp or start start of the season. Uh, but there are a lot of I will say this is as happy as I am with the guys at the top. There's just so many unknowns with everyone else, starting mm-hmm. with the third round pick uh, overshone. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to mean. You know, it would be disappointing if he if he's logging the majority of his snaps on special teams. I think so, considering the Cowboys have been able to plug in fourth rounders to, you know, get a lot of contribution when you talk about Hitchens in the past and Damian Wilson in the past and just, you know, lots of, lots of guys. So if yeah. you get your third rounder is your special teams guy, then, you know, that's not, that's not good. Um, so I, you know, we'll have to see how those guys do. I will say between like Devin Harper and Isaiah Land or something, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys like, Oh, you know what? The Cowboys knew what they were doing with this guy, you know, and, and it turned out one of those guys turned into be a good player. You know, we, we might have that Luke Gif- Gifford love that comes. I remember his rookie season where nobody sure. thought much of him, and then look at these—he's he's picking off passes, he's making plays and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so certainly, um, you know, the, we could see some excitement there. So, I, I feel like, yes, it could go bad, but I feel like it's pretty good. I mean, because of some other things going on in the Cowboys roster. I yeah, I think you're at your spot on there in that they've got a young group. That linebacker room's young. If you got a young group, you do not need to be bringing a veteran in. And I think, you know, unless unless there's like four or five of the guys just really don't improve or show anything, they're probably not going to do like I think they're probably committed to just letting them develop. You almost have to be, right, when you have such a young group. So we've talked about the fact that this is a young group. There's, there's certainly upside. There's a chance that they'll be over overwhelmed. It's a high-variance group, as we've, as we've noted. There's big question marks. Jabril Cox, no idea. Uh, DeMarion Overshone, no idea. I mean, there's some, there's some guys in the range of their, of their contributions is so wide. I have no idea what to, what to, what to think about this group. So, uh, I'm putting you on the spot. You get to be the one to answer this, this really difficult question. What is your confidence rating? Are, are you bottom of the barrel? Is it low? Is it 50, 50? Is it high? Or are you against all realistic odds brimming over? Hmm. Well, I'm going to say it's a little better than 50, 50. I'm going mm-hmm. to go on the high end side because I think Vander Esch is a proven commodity and the only thing standing in his way, way is health. And, um, and I do think Damone Clark is a good player and I think you'll see a step forward this, this season. So that starting with those two guys, like, I like it. Um, you know, we talked, I talked already about the flexibility around it. So it kind of gives them a little bit of a, some fallback, but the other reason I like it too is when you look at the athleticism of, of these other players, and this is where, like, keep in mind, Anthony Barr, they, they signed him for practically nothing, and nobody, people may say that they're disappointed with this Anthony Barr, he's because because they're judging him on what he used to be, uh, but if you look mm-hmm. at what the Cowboys got him for, and to get that kind of snaps and and um, contribution from a guy that's just you know a solid floor line, you know starting linebacker, that's mm-hmm. really good. So I think the Cowboys can have that, but at the same time, they could also roll the dice on these young guys, see if there's any, if any of these guys stick, you know, if, if, if you have Jabril or, or Overshone or, uh, you know, the, the later round guys, um, you know, I think it could make a very interesting and exciting fast linebacker group. And so that's why I am, the needle is slightly over, you know, above the 50-50 for me. So let me ask you this, since you decided to go on the confidence side of 50-50, 
which I, which I, and I think your reasoning makes a lot, a ton of sense to me. Um, what has to happen for the group to f- perform at a brimming over level? Oh, I think, uh, well, I think that Damone Clark's flirts with Pro Bowl type of play. You know, I think he mm-hmm, has a great mm-hmm. season, you know, the breakout season we're talking about. LVE does LVE things. And then this overshone guy is, you know, the Cowboys were absolutely right for jumping up and down in the war room when they drafted him. And, and uh, you know, I think a lot of us thought it might have been for the other Texas special team guy, the, the running back. Uh, um, mm. But, uh, you know, the Cowboys love him. So, you know, if, if they're right on him and, and he turns out to just running all over the field and, um, you know, I, I have complete faith in the way that Dan Quinn's going to use him. So they're definitely going to simplify the game for him. He's going to be running downhill a lot of times. He'll be, you know, rushing the passer, all kinds of things. So if we start to see some, like, you know, star potential in this guy, then I think there you go. There's your three really good uh, linebackers. And then we start to talk about, like, you know, you're talking about, you know, the talent level they had in the in, in the '93 and stuff, and then and the traits that these you know players had and stuff. And and I think this is this could be the recipe if these if these guys are as good as the Cowboys are hoping. Yeah, I think I think that uh, you know I said earlier that we're going to know how effective. Um, right, we might we might actually have talked about this a week or two ago. We might well we're going to know how effective the Cowboys defensive tackle are by how often the linebackers are able to make tackles without getting touched like how many behind the line of scrimmage or at line of scrimmage tackles linebackers are making and i think that's going to be really interesting to to watch i think for them to to hit that brimming over level for me part of that's dependent on, on the quality of defensive tackle play are they able to occupy black blockers because they're being so disruptive can can Van Der Esch and, and damone clark who are running hit guys who don't aren't really really good at getting enough blocks can they you know um not have have as many blocks to have to get off can jabril cox become that like deluxe pass coverage linebacker that he that he showed flashes of being able to be in college and if so if there's certain eight and you have him in there and and the, that, that incredible defensive line's paying their ears back and he's able to shut down an outlet valve or shut down an underneath zone i mean it's going to be it's going to be pretty awesome but i i think that for me it's really about if if they're if I'm going to have that brimming over level of confidence, I think you know I think it's those high variance guys, the guys we have who who you know the projections are all question marks, and that's specifically Jabril Cox and Demarvin Overshone for me, that those guys both have seasons near the ceiling of my expectations or or beyond it, you know, because I think, think that um, that's the thing that's really a tip. I feel I, I like you feel pretty confident that Van Der Esch and Clark. With the with the you know the inclusion of all the all the kind of in the box safeties you talked about who really are weak side linebackers um, is going to be a pretty solid unit and so I think it's going to make it elite is if there's those unexpected contributions. Um, before we before we wrap this up, let's just take a look at what this this uh, linebacker room is going to look like a year from now. I think it's interesting because every guy who's under contract in 2023 also is under contract in 2024. So the Cowboys are looking at if they want. Uh, a linebacker room that's going to have a lot of continuity um, this year and into next year. You know, I think it's an open question about whether Vanders will stick around. They may want to, they might want to jettison him, especially if one of these young heads does emerge. But, um, you know, I think we've, we've looked at this as, you know, as we, as we've wrapped up our discussions of each of these positions, we've looked at this. And there's a lot of positions where most of the cats are coming back. There's a couple 
you know, offensive line, maybe defensive backs, whether or not, but there's a lot of them where, where they have a lot of continuity coming back. So I think that's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, the linebacker is, and it seems like the Cowboys have treated as such a, a diminishing uh, position in terms of import on the field. But I think this group has a real chance to be, to be capable of playing up to the to the high quality of the units on either side of them, right? So that so that dip from the high quality of the defensive line to the high quality of the defensive backs isn't quite so severe. Yeah, and, and for sure too. And it's it's going to really come down to these young guys. And um, you know, it, do, do we start to see some traction with some of them, or are the Cowboys going to have to keep on, you know, taking some shots and stuff? And I mean, because Overshone is a pretty is a third round investment. That's something. And um, so we know the, I mean, that we saw the Cowboys visitors too. You know, we know the Cowboys, who they are interested in. So they, they know that they they want to have a player in there and they're willing to invest a player there. But I don't know how it's, I mean, Vanderesh, a couple years, that's nice to have him for a couple years. And then to see, by that time, you're really going to know with, with both Clark and Overshone, that's, that's going to, you're going to have some new, some new data too. So, uh, and um, I, I'm really excited about, about this group and, I, I, definitely some um, some good upside with with them for sure. Speaking of good upside, let's see how do I want to close this bad boy. Um, but Rabs, I think you know that's there's still a lot to re- that remains to be seen. Um, so we'll just have to stay tuned. But what there isn't any more to be seen or heard is our show. So that is it. For today, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any uh, position groups you're looking at, or what is your favorite Cowboys season opener, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFanum24, and Rabs is at RabbleRailsler, spelled R A. B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts for the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Go out and buy your Damon Clark jerseys now before they go up in price, people. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.